0: Welcome to a special encore presentation of the abstract from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Humanity's family tree continues to be rewritten as the latest research continues to change what we thought we knew about everyone from Vikings to Neanderthals. In this episode, the DNA studies that reveal how human beings are a lot more genetically diverse than we ever imagined. Human history is constantly being rewritten by new discoveries. As ancient DNA continues to unravel humankind's diverse past, it becomes clear that our collective family tree is a complicated one. More of a branching, steady stream than a dammed river. We're basically a mishmash of billions of complex individuals. It turns out Vikings weren't just a purebred pack of blonde-haired, burly men who only mated with their own kind. The latest Viking DNA study says they're actually comprised of many ethnicities and ancestries— Meanwhile, a new study of Neanderthal DNA unearthed a surprising link to the modern human from the past, opening up a new chapter in the complex history of ancient peoples. And despite all the rewrites our genetic history books have received, one thing appears to be constant. When it comes to mating, our ancient relatives had a very open mind. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story looks at the largest genetic study of Viking DNA to date— with scientists learning that they're actually much more genetically diverse than previously thought, the findings suggests that being a Viking had more to do with one's own lived identity than some specific genetic combo. Our second story is about the discovery that Neanderthal and modern humans shared a common ancestor earlier than expected, suggesting there were different waves of intermixing events. By sequencing Neanderthal Y-chromosomes, scientists can now paint a clearer timeline of ancient hominids' interactions with one another. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, why Vikings may not be who you thought they were.
1: Fight like a Viking! Viking. Who's a Viking? I am a Viking! You're a little Viking. I am a Viking! The picture of a Viking. And your name is Fan, and you're a Viking.
2: Mr. Blonde, and Mr. Blue.
1: Blonde, blue eyes, cute little nose, like a button. like a Viking. Like a Viking funeral! Like a Viking?
0: Take charge, Viking barbarian, of course. It's me. Vikings were pirates, raiders, and colonizers during the 9th to eleventh century. They were known to sail the seas from Scandinavia and took control of areas of Europe and beyond. History books typically depict Vikings as big, strong, blue-eyed, blonde men sailing the North American coast to plunder wherever they set foot on land. While some of that may be true, a new genetic study of Viking DNA is flipping much of this history on its head published September 2020 in the journal Nature, The Largest Genetic Study of Viking DNA Ever, reveals that Vikings are actually much more genetically diverse than we would have thought, and were not necessarily all part of a homogenous background. The authors also note that individuals not related to Vikings genetically sometimes received traditional Viking burials, suggesting that being a Viking may have stretched beyond having specific family roots and was also about a sense of internal identity. In addition to providing a more nuanced look at this transformational period of history, this new genetic insight can also help scientists better understand how different traits are selected across different genetic groups. Inverses, Sarah Wells is here to help us make more sense of it all. Hey, Sarah, welcome back. Hi, thank you. So throughout history, in books, film, TV, etc., typically we always see Vikings depicted as these blue-eyed, blonde-haired, big men who are ready to pillage. Now we're learning they're way more genetically diverse than that image. How diverse are we talking? What specific types of genetic influence was found in this specific Viking DNA that was studied? How far from Scandinavia on the map are we talking here?
2: Yeah, so something that was interesting about this study is that they found there is different genetic influence in the Viking DNA even before they began their pillaging age. And like 750 AD. So the different genetic influences they found kind of back in Scandinavia was from Southern Europe as well as Asia. Are there any theories
0: as to why this might be the case? What do we know about the time? You know, what's, what types of things were going on at that time during the Viking Age that might have led to these? communities of mixed ancestry. Any ideas there?
2: Yeah, so like you were saying earlier, when we think about the Vikings, we typically think of Chris Hemsworth, like Thor. We imagine that when these Vikings go pillaging in their ships, they put down their anchor, wreak havoc, and then leave. But what the researchers were finding with this kind of genetic study is that there seemed to be a more complex trading and settling network that was set up between these Vikings and like, their emerging diaspora. So it was maybe that they were sticking around a little bit longer and contributing to the overall gene flow that was happening through Europe during that time.
0: Something else that was interesting, and this is because Vikings are so well known to be a group that plays together and slays together, you know, known to be part of a very homogeneous background here, they also found that people with no Viking genes received Viking burials, these traditional burials, which could tell us Vikings may have also been much less about roots and more about some kind of cultural identity. That was really interesting.
2: Yeah, that was super interesting, definitely. How they discovered that in this study is that they were looking at a Two burial sites, I believe in Orkney, Scotland. And these burial sites had the typical accoutrements of a Viking burial, I guess you could say, different kind of Viking memorabilia. But when they did the genetic DNA testing of these remains, they discovered that they were actually 100% from these ancient Scottish peoples instead of maybe Scandinavian or even like we found Southern European DNA. So then what this points to, like you were saying, is that being a Viking or being of Viking descent does not necessarily mean that there's one Viking that you can track your bloodline back to, but it could instead have been an identity that you took on or kind of a cultural identity, like you were saying.
0: This is the type of discovery that really turns something on its head. What we thought was the case is no longer necessarily the case. That's always a big deal. So does new specific insight like this helps scientists better understand and tackle genetics overall, I guess is the question.
2: Yeah, I think it does. So on the one hand, a genetic study like this, like you said, it really does kind of upend this history. I think one way that it's kind of useful is that it's giving a more holistic, you know, a newer picture of what these people's lives might have been like. And for people, you know, particularly kind of interested in their own ancestry, I think it's really interesting to get that kind of insight. But then another thing that's also interesting about the genetic study of these ancient peoples is that researchers also have plans to kind of look at things like immunity and gene selection and see, you know, between these mixed ancestries, what about certain types of genes or DNA meant that they, you know, had different traits or different types of immunity. And I think understanding that in ancient peoples then gives us more tools to understand that in ourselves as well and kind of get a better picture of how our genes are playing out now even.
0: Yeah, it's something I'm going to think about the next time I see Thor on uh, TV or in the movies or something. Mm -hmm. I'll think specifically of your story, Sarah. (laughs) Thanks for taking a few minutes. Of course. In September 2020, researchers announced in the journal Science they were finally able to sequence Y chromosomes from two Denisovans and three Neanderthals. The results revised our understanding of humanity's shared history and gave insight into the children that resulted from these ancient humans interbreeding. Are you one of them? Mm-hmm everyone's favorite extinct relatives, Neanderthals and Denisovans.
1: Our species lived alongside Neanderthals and Denisovans. A mysterious human relative of
0: ours, we've started to piece together an idea of who these people were. There was an early interbreeding event between modern humans and Neanderthals.
1: Early Neanderthals probably had Y-chromosomes that resembled those of Denisovans, but time ultimately led to a total replacement of the Neanderthal Y-chromosome.
0: The Y-chromosome sequence of Neanderthals looking more similar to our own than the science has taught us that all living individuals harbor a legacy of gene flow with Neanderthals meaning we're all a little Neanderthal for all the discoveries and caveats that followed one crucial element was always missing the Y chromosomes of Neanderthals and Denisovans another ancient hominid whose DNA is also carried by modern humans in the past Many of the high-quality fossils that DNA has been retrieved from have been female, and the Y chromosome, of course, is a paternal inheritance. However, in September 2020, researchers announced in the journal Science that they were finally able to sequence Y chromosomes from two Denisovans and three Neanderthals. And what we thought we understood about ancient humanity's shared history, we didn't. In the study, researchers discovered that the modern human and Neanderthal Y-chromosomes were more related to each other when compared to the Denisovans' Y-chromosomes. The finding is a scientific breakthrough and provides us with a clear insight into their shared history. Inverse's mind and body editor, Sarah Sloat, is here to help fully break it down. Welcome back, Sarah. Hey, Tanya. Thanks for having me. Sure. So just to back up for a second, researchers had been unable to find Y-chromosomes of Denisovans and
1: Neanderthals. Why is that? It was more of a circumstantial issue than anything else. So most of the high quality fossils that DNA has been retrieved from in in regards to the study of ancient humans has been female. And they have found bones and teeth, but not enough for a comprehensive analysis of their Y chromosomes. That is, you know, until now.
0: So in this study, the team identified three male Neanderthals and two Denisovans. What method did they use to sequence these Y chromosomes?
1: Yes. So they use what's uh, it's an advanced method. And and this is really one of the early tries uh, using it successfully. But it's described as targeted capture based DNA sequencing approach. And with this method, they were able to extract the Y chromosome sequences from the ancient male specimens previously considered too poorly preserved to be of use.
0: And the study confirmed that Neanderthal Y chromosomes are the most similar to modern humans. Why would that be the case?
1: Yes. So the conclusion that the scientists came to was that interbreeding between Neanderthals and very, very early modern humans resulted in the replacement of the original Neanderthal Y chromosome with the modern human Y chromosome. And then we know that the Neanderthals and humans, they met, they had kids together. If you've taken a 23andMe test, you may have seen that you, you harbor some of that genetic legacy. But here, they estimate that the interbreeding with early modern humans that resulted in the replacement of the Neanderthal Y chromosome took place more than 100,000 years ago and perhaps as much as 370,000 years ago.
0: One idea that some people have is that if the Homo sapien version of the Y chromosome replaced the original Neanderthal, maybe we can conclude that Homo sapiens lost a bit of that textbook Neanderthal masculinity when they mated with Neanderthal women. What what do you think about that?
1: I'm not sure if we can say that quite so definitively, but what we can say is that it's very clear that early modern human-like Y chromosomes successfully spread through the Neanderthal population. And, you know, some outside commenters looking at the study have said that it hints to them that both male and female Homo sapiens contributed to the gene flow, suggesting that both Homo sapiens and Neanderthal populations accepted children of mixed heritage, which is a really interesting idea and one that the study authors say is a fascinating proposition but they're hesitant to say whether it's true Um, it's hard to understand the cultural consequences of this sort of thing but when we look at the genetics takeaway it's clear that the offspring of interbreeding between neanderthals and modern humans must have been viable and fertile because um, the lines have continued on which hasn't always been very clear The main
0: takeaway seems to be, though, that not only were Neanderthals and modern humans genetically compatible, but this interbreeding happened way earlier than expected, like you said. How then does this rewrite a chapter or two in this big book of human history?
1: Yeah, so it's really cool. All of these updates in technology that's being applied to this sort of genetic study, as well as, you know, the findings that Archaeologists are coming across, are adjusting our human history timeline. You know, we have this fuzzy image of we know that there was all these different types of humans running around Earth that they interacted, etc. But that picture is becoming clearer and clearer, and we're getting a better understanding of exactly what was going on. So, you know, going back to the idea that this study gives an estimate of the interbreeding between the Neanderthals and humans, you know, sometime between 100,000 years ago, perhaps as much as 370,000 years ago. That hasn't always been understood. You know, one of the original hypotheses was that the first interaction between humans and Neanderthals happened in Europe between 50,000 and 65,000 years ago. But more and more analyses indicate that's probably off. You know, a 2016 study of a Neanderthal female toe bone suggested that humans and Neanderthals met and interbred around 100,000 years ago. Maybe that happened in the Middle East. That's what that researcher came to conclude. Meanwhile, an August 2020 study said it was maybe more toward 200,000 to 300,000 years ago. Meanwhile, another study released in January found out that everyone's a little bit Neanderthal. That was against what we originally thought, and that suggests that for hundreds of thousands of years, Homo sapiens migrated back and forth out of Africa, into Africa, bringing with them children who carry genes from other species. And altogether, this research suggests that there were different waves of intermixing events, and that's the the flow of migration and mating between the two types of humans, meaning that it's not so simple as like, oh, they left Africa, met Neanderthals, and and went from there, you know, humans travel. It's cool to see that it's more of like a, a steady branching stream, rather than a damned river. That's a good way to put it.
0: Listeners can head to inverse.com for the full story. In the meantime,
1: thanks so much, Sarah.
0: Thank you. Head to inverse.com to read more about the latest DNA studies. You can find links in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find the abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. Look for The Abstract podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.